Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. We usually stream live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays at docwashburnshow.com. Unless I have a campaign event because I am running for governor of Arkansas. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact docwashburnshow.com. This is the 96th episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. And it's Friday, February 25th, 2022. Now, coming up in just a minute, we have the provocative question, is Joe Biden worse than Putin? But first, yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. And yes, we must keep the January 6th political prisoners in our prayers. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Now, if you would like to support my campaign for the Republican nomination, Governor of Arkansas, the website is electdocwashburn.com. Unlike my opponent, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I will actually answer questions. And the Donate button is working on electdocwashburn.com. Com. And I do plan to file officially with the Republican Party and the state of Arkansas this afternoon, the afternoon of Friday, February 25th, 2022, to run for governor. Now, I was commenting with somebody on Facebook last night who was concerned about how much money Sarah has raised, millions and millions of dollars. I keep on hearing it's something like $13 million. How are you going to be, uh, be able to overcome that, um, that deficit in the money? And I said, here's the deal. It doesn't matter how much money she has, how much money she raises. If I can get my message to enough voters, then I will beat her in the primary. And almost immediately, Facebook says, oh, that's it, that's it, that's it. That's it. You're encouraging violence. You're suspended for seven days because you used the word beat. If I'd said I'll defeat her in the primary, Facebook's algorithm would have been like, uh, I didn't see anything. So, of course, of course, I challenged their ruling. And they said, they came back with what they've been saying for almost two years now. Oh, you know, usually we would uh, <laughs> we would look at your challenge and everything. But, um, yeah, we're short-staffed because of COVID. So, uh, but at least the fact you challenged it um, will improve the way we do things. <laughs> you peasant. So, uh, so, yeah, we got that going on. See, because I was going to post on Facebook where I'm going to be tomorrow, you know. But, nope, suspended for seven days because I said I could beat Sarah Huckabee Sanders in the primary. Is that ridiculous or what? But I'll tell you where I'm going to be tomorrow. We the people, Tea Party Town Hall, tomorrow, that's Saturday, the 26th, 
at the Washita Center at UARM in Mena, Arkansas. And uh, it's kind of a mingling meet and greet from 1 to 2, and then from 2 to 4, the candidates will be speaking. And I hear Jan Morgan's going to be there, Jason Rapert, Eddie Joe Williams, um, John Thurston, a lot of folks. And I've never been to uh, to Mina, so I had to look up UARM. Um, UARM stands for University of Arkansas Rich Mountain. And so I'm um, looking forward to be there tomorrow afternoon. No, no, I've talked to people who lived here all their lives, and they didn't know there was a UARM. Because, you know, Mina is quite a drive from a Little Rock. I think it'll take a, about three hours probably to get out there. So let's let's look at this question now. Um, this is from Josiah Lippincott, a Ph.D. student at Hillsdale College and former Marine officer. Oh, okay. I've shared stuff with this guy before, uh, this guy's written before. He's very well spoken. Anyway, he's got a new article that dropped last night at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, and it's entitled, Joe Biden is Worse Than Putin. Subtitled, The War in Ukraine is None of America's Business, Censorship, and Administrative Edicts Here at Home Are. And he's... And, and, and here's the case that he makes, and see what you think. He says, Vladimir Putin never mandated that I submit to non-consensual medical treatment to keep my livelihood. Putin didn't ban me from social media for criticizing the regime. It wasn't Putin who eviscerated my years of saving with skyrocketing inflation. Joe Biden did. Kiev, Ukraine is 5,000 miles away from where I sit in southeastern Michigan. I pray the conflict ends swiftly and with minimal loss of life, but that should be the extent of my involvement. The war between Ukraine and Russia is not my fight. Putin's rule in Russia is not my problem. Joe Biden's reign is. Contrary to the claims of historian John Meacham, the conflict between Ukraine and Russia is not a battle between autocracy and democracy. Instead, it is a conflict between dictators on all sides. Joe Biden, no less than Vladimir Putin, governs through edict and fiat. In the past two years, the entire nation has been governed under a persistent state of emergency. No legislature anywhere in America ever voted for lockdowns or mask mandates. Congress has never voted to require COVID vaccines for either public or private employees. Over and over again, Americans have been subjected to draconian regulations of their private lives by unelected bureaucrats and executive officials who claim unlimited emergency powers. In Michigan in 2020, there were no churches open for Easter service, by the order of the governor. As a matter of fact, that, that governor, uh, I don't know if he's going to mention this or not in the uh, article, but that governor in 2020 actually made it against the law 
for places like Lowe's and Home Depot to sell seeds to people. Anyway, he continues, Twitter blue checks and liberals can spare me their righteous indignation in the name of freedom. Mindless blatherers all. Their so-called liberal democracy is neither liberal nor democratic. As an American, I hold, the found, I hold to the founding tradition of non-interference in the affairs of other countries. The Declaration of Independence says that the nations of the earth occupy a separate and equal station in relation to each other. No nation or group of nations constitutes a common judge for the others. The consent of the governed is the only just ground for rule. Ukrainians and Russians have not consented to unilateral American rule over their affairs. And the American people have not consented to govern them. Therefore, the affairs of those powers are their own. Ukraine is not a member of NATO. We are not bound by any treaty obligations to protect that country. Claims that Russia has engaged in aggression are irrelevant. Aggression according to whom? Foreign policy experts with Georgetown master's degrees? Who died and put them in charge? The aggression standard hurdled by liberals implies that every conflict has a good guy and a bad guy. It's a recipe for turning every war into a righteous crusade with which every nation on earth must align itself. This standard is a recipe for total war. Every enemy is an absolute enemy, and every war is a total war. They would have us believe that every aggressor is Hitler, and the fate of the West is always in the balance. Now, neutrality in this formulation is impossible. America must side with freedom and democracy, so-called, no matter the cost. As Jen Psaki told Fox News' Peter Ducey, Americans must accept $5-gallon gas and a lower standard of living because defending Ukraine means defending American values. American values which apparently have no relevance to the actual interests or liberties of Americans. This perpetual reference to abstractions and overwrought historical examples, people saying this is just like Poland in 1938 or Munich in 19... Poland in 1939 or Munich in 1938... It, it prevents clear-sighted thinking about foreign policy. The liberal reliance on World War II as a justification for the goodness of the post-1945 world order is likewise suspect. American involvement in World War II, remember, consisted of an alliance with a brutal tyrant and murderous dictator named Joseph Stalin. Now, if that conflict really was a war against aggression and tyranny, why did it involve such close cooperation with such a vicious regime. Ideology prevents the asking of such a relevant question to say nothing of answering it honestly. George Washington, in his farewell address, presents a far more sober and measured take on America's role in the world than the bleeding of our current chattering class and its childish World War II metaphors. America, he argued, should avoid what he called habitual hatred or habitual fondness toward other regimes in order to avoid enslaving itself to foreign interests. Slavery to animosity or affection clouds our understanding of our real interests. Libby continues here. He says, Washington 
was entirely correct. The left's vicious and crazed hatred of Putin, an offshoot of their boiling resentment of Donald Trump, prevents them from seeing clearly how little connection the United States has to Eastern European politics. Ukraine's border security and the squabbles between its ethnic groups are not America's business. Our business is to defend our own rights. Without a declaration of war by Congress, Joe Biden has no right to conduct acts of war against the Russian regime. It is absurd and unconstitutional that the president can lay down sanctions against a foreign power without legislative approval. Oh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. He's not the president. It was rigged. They stole it. Anyway, he says a sanction is an act of war, the equivalent of a blockade. The American people deserve a say in such actions, but the deep-seated antipathy and ideological crusading of the D.C. chattering classes obviates all such restrictions on America's war-making power. Joe Biden promises to go ahead with his desire to what he calls hold Russia accountable. John Quincy Adams said it best when he argued that America should not go abroad in search of monsters to destroy. John Quincy Adams, our sixth president, saw clearly that for centuries to come, all the contests of the European world will be contests of inveterate power and emerging right that would be extraordinarily bloody for all involved. America, he argued, should avoid such wars. America should be the champion and vindicator only of her own rights. Other powers should defend themselves. Adams and Washington were far wiser than the shrieking liberals on Twitter. Were they here today, they would argue that Americans should fight against dictatorship at home before going abroad to lecture others about democracy and liberty. The war in the Ukraine is none of America's business. Censorship and administrative edicts here at home are... Let us pull the log out of our own eye before demanding that others pull the splinter from theirs. That's Josiah Lippincott over at American Greatness. His article is entitled, Joe Biden is Worse Than Putin. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody put up on the uh, commenting on the Podbean app, usurper. Yeah, we're no, I'm never going to call Biden president. Because they stole it. He's a usurper Biden. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, now, the great Julie Kelly, I just, I have to share with you, whenever she has a new article over to American Greatness, I have to share with you the great Julie Kelly. Her article is entitled, on the Eve of the Show Trials. Subtitle. The first trial of a January 6th defendant is set to begin next week, but jury trials should expose the government's weak case against most of them. And she says, Guy Reffitt has been in jail since he was arrested by the FBI nearly 14 months ago. Reffitt, like dozens of Americans who protested the unlawful election 
of Joe Biden is not in jail because he was convicted of a crime. Neither is Reffitt in jail because he has a criminal record. He does not, or a history of threatening his neighbors or community in Bonham, Texas. Instead, Reffitt has languished behind bars for more than a year because Joe Biden's Justice Department asked a federal judge to keep him detained, awaiting trial for his participation in the Capitol protest January 6, 2021. Since then, more than 100 Americans, including several accused of no violent crimes, have been incarcerated under pretrial detention orders sought by Attorney General Merrick Garland. Constitutional rights, such as the presumption of innocence, due process, the right to a speedy trial, and protection from cruel and unusual punishment, have been stripped from January 6th defendants based on the Biden regime's false premise that they are all domestic terrorists and insurrectionists. None of the January 6th defendants, by the way, have been charged with terrorism or insurrection. Now that the first trials are finally getting underway, the public can assess whether the government prosecutors and federal judges who created America's first class of political prisoners were justified in doing so or were shamefully complicit in Joe Biden's vengeful prosecution of Donald Trump's supporters. Guy Reffitt is one of hundreds of protesters not charged with committing a violent crime on January 6th. According to his initial indictment, Reffitt did not assault police officers. To the contrary, he himself was attacked by law enforcement with rubber bullets and mace. He also did not vandalize any public property, according to his indictment. In fact, he never even entered the Capitol building. Did you know that? Did you know that people, January 6th protesters, are being prosecuted, including protesters who never even entered the Capitol building? Some people don't know that. But based on the government's mostly hearsay evidence, a D.C. federal magistrate last year denied Reffitt's release, and it had little to do with alleged, his alleged criminal behavior on January 6th. During a detention hearing way back in April, Judge Zia Faruqui, said, and I quote, the gravity of the offense is not captured by the offenses because it was an attack upon the democracy and the lawful administration of that democracy as there was a transition of power. My concern is that he still harbors the belief, even after the election results were certified, the Electoral College was processed, that he continued to harbor the belief, the false belief, that something untoward is happening with the democratic process, unquote. So he's being prosecuted for wrong think. That's not Julie Kelly saying that. That's me digressing. He's being prosecuted for a thought crime. It's wrong think. You're not allowed to think that in this country. Got it? Now, going forward with Julie Kelly's American Greatness article on the eve of the show trials, Judge Dabney Friedrich, a judge appointed in the D.C. District Court by President Trump in 2017, 
upheld Judge Faruqi's ruling last May. So Guy Reffitt has remained in a fetid D.C. jail specifically set aside for January 6th defendants ever since then. In January, amid new COVID-related lockdowns, it forced Reffitt and at least 35 other January 6th defendants to remain in their D.C. jail cells for 22 hours a day. His defense lawyer once again asked Judge Friedrich to release his client under strict supervision, particularly since the court continued to delay trial dates and close the courthouse needed for jury trials. To keep Reffitt incarcerated, his lawyer argued, violated his Eighth Amendment rights. Now, let's take a look. Let's take a look, shall we, at the Eighth Amendment. Let's see what the Eighth Amendment actually says. Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishment inflicted. Yep, it sure does. It sure does violate his Eighth Amendment rights. I mean, look. When we do capital punishment on the most heinous of murderers, and so many of our fellow citizens are saying, well, you know, he ought to be um, executed the same way he you know, killed his victims. Defense attorneys and judges point to the Eighth Amendment. Well, no. Um, what he did to the victims was awful, but we don't have cruel and unusual punishment, so we can't execute him the same way that he murdered his victims. They say that for convicted murderers. Now, this guy, convicted of nothing, and not even charged with a violent crime, who didn't even enter the Capitol building, no, no. Judge Friedrich, unmoved, denied Reffitt's release on bail again. 14 months in a horrible prison in D.C. So she will now preside over the first major trial of a January 6th defendant and the government's case that sounded compelling enough to convince her to keep an innocent man behind bars for more than a year is not as ironclad as she thought. Jury selection begins Monday. In hyper-partisan Washington, D.C., Judge Friedrich also denied a motion to move the trial out of the town. They voted nearly 94% for Joe Biden, the largest margin of victory for Biden in any major city. Guy Reffitt's case, to be sure, is complicated. His son, Jackson, who disagrees with his father's politics, taped family conversations about what Reffitt did at the Capitol on January 6th and gave those recordings to the FBI. Jackson Reffitt has raised more than $150,000 since his father's arrest. Jackson Reffitt later claimed that his dad threatened him and his younger sister if they turned him into the authorities. Yep. So Jackson Reffitt College Fund over on GoFundMe. See, they're not going to freeze his assets because he's a big old lib with uh, real long hair and um, a ski cap on and, of course, a big old uh, mask outside. Yep, big old mask outdoors. This guy's a real prize, a real prize. 
So, um, <clears throat> adding to his dad, Guy Reffitt's legal woes, with the FBI under pressure to arrest someone for possessing a firearm on January 6th, the Justice Department indicted Reffitt in June with bringing a deadly and dangerous weapon and firearm to the restricted grounds of the Capitol that day. But a number of Guy Reffitt's charges appear to be on shaky legal ground, prompting scrutiny from the court. More, for more than a year, the Justice Department misled a grand jury, defense attorneys, and federal judges as to the whereabouts of Kamala Harris on January 6th, falsely claiming she was inside the building during the protest. Kamala Harris' location as a Secret Service protectee is the basis for thousands of charges filed under Section 1752, which rendered the Capitol and surrounding property a restricted area. Guy Reffitt faces three of those charges. Prosecutors recently admitted Kamala Harris was not in the building, but rather at the headquarters of the Democrat National Committee when an alleged pipe bomb was discovered. The Justice Department's lie about her actual location, however, has not been corrected in numerous indictments, including Guy Reffitt's. Judge Friedrich asked the government to explain why. In a response filed last week, Prosecutors asked the court to, quote, amend the charging language from where the vice president and vice president-elect were temporarily visiting to where the vice president was temporarily visiting, unquote. But Vice President Mike Pence's whereabouts after the first breach of the building around 2.15 p.m. that day also is unclear. And the Justice Department, in the case of Guy Reffitt and others, is asking the court to limit cross-examination of Secret Service agents to verify that Mike Pence remained in the Capitol building, as prosecutors also have alleged in hundreds of indictments. Prosecutors argued in pretrial motions, quote, broader cross-examination of Secret Service witnesses could compromise national security without adding any appreciable benefit to the determination of the truth, unquote. Judge Friedrich granted the Justice Department's request to limit questioning of Secret Service agents in Guy Raffitt's case, but her colleague, Judge Trevor McFadden, recently denied a similar motion in a similar case, oh, pardon me, a similar motion in a separate case, advising the government that if it wishes to continue to pursue this misdemeanor charge, it must be prepared to fully prove it. His ruling could prove pivotal in the hundreds of trials moving forward. Prosecutors also continue to tweak language Related to obstruction of an official proceeding charge, the most often used felony count against more than 200 January 6 defendants, while a few judges early on expressed skepticism about the constitutionality of the offense against political protesters, judges have denied defense motions to drop the charge altogether. After Judge Friedrich asked for jury instructions related to the charge, which requires proof the defendant acted corruptly to interfere in the proceeding, the Justice Department watered down its definition. Rather than ask the jury to find the defendant acted with unlawful purpose, the government changed that burden to improper purpose. A wide net that could apply to all political activity in the future, regardless of party affiliation. Since January 6th, the Biden regime, in coordination with the colluding media, has controlled the narrative about that day. Jury trials, however, will expose the weak evidentiary case against most defendants as well as reveal 
any number of lies the public has been led to believe, and judges who allowed false narratives and bogus evidence to justify holding political prisoners while denying their constitutional rights and service to Democrats' lust for revenge should face a harsh reckoning. Well, Julie Kelly, American Greatness, they, they should. They should face a harsh reckoning, but I don't... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go down. I mean, we look, we all have to stand before our Creator when we leave this world. Okay? But I don't know. I don't know what kind of um, reckoning any of these judges will face in the meantime. You know what I'm saying? I mean, who's going to, uh, you know, I, I guess. Uh, Judges can be impeached, you know. I've heard of that happening before, but I don't. I don't think there's going to be kind of harsh reckoning for them trampling on the uh, constitutional rights of the political prisoners. I, I don't know what that kind of reckoning would look like. But then again, you know, I've said before. I'm not the uh, sharpest knife in the firmament or the brightest bulb in the drawer. You know what I'm saying? Okay, anyway, all that having been said, we are so thankful for our advertisers. So thankful for our advertisers for making the Doc Washburn Show live stream and podcast possible. I want to say a word about a couple of them here. If you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online. They'll drive it to you no matter where you are, anywhere in the continental United States. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible, and that's why they have added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. For that matter, if you're in central Arkansas and you want to go to the dealership, you can do that like I did when I got a great deal on a 2013 Honda Accord with only 85,000 miles on it the other day. And I'm so excited. And they treated me better than I've ever been treated at a car dealership. And the process was quicker than any vehicle purchase I've ever made in my life. Yeah, Red River Your Way makes it so easy. As you browse their selection online, you'll see each vehicle 
has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Now, clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. You'll be glad you did. Coming up, we're going to talk about uh, Dementia Joe Biden's nominee for the United States Supreme Court. Just a reminder, the views and opinions expressed in the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers. But we love them, and they love us. All right, now, are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? Now, if you answer yes to any of those questions, the website you need to go to is called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays, and you click on the button that says Schedule Call Now. And that allows you to book a free consultation with my good buddy, Art Wilborn, who will make sure there are no gaps in your coverage and also make sure that you get personalized health coverage that doesn't force you to cover horrible stuff like abortion that would violate your deeply held religious beliefs, unlike some of those Obamacare plans out there, right? So the website is MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Click that big, beautiful red button that says Schedule Call Now, which allows you to book a free consultation with my buddy Art Wilborn, who makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Okay, by the way, can, can I mention something here briefly? For weeks, people have been contacting us and saying, why can't we donate to your campaign for governor online? And so when... We finally got our bank account approved Wednesday of last week. We started working with a uh, an app company to try to get the donate button working. And a few days later, Friday night, we gave up on them. We went with the app company that was tied in with our bank. And we worked with them for days and days and days and days and days. And finally, Wednesday night of this week, we gave up on them. And we went to a wonderful app company called Raise the Money, which started in Arkansas eight years ago, and it's nationwide now. And yesterday morning, in just a couple hours, they got the donate button 
up and running on electdocwashburn.com. So I can't say enough good about the company, the app company, Raise the Money, because they actually got it to work for us, whereas the other app companies took days and 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 just nothing. RaiseTheMoney.com made it happen for us real quickly. They're not even an advertiser, but I just wanted to thank them publicly. And I just wanted to uh, give a shout-out. You know what I'm saying? Because in less than 24 hours, about 24 hours, we almost doubled the contributions that we had already gotten before that. I mean, yeah, let me, let me, let me, let me look at the calendar for a second. So I announced I was running on February 8th. And yesterday was February 24th. So in, in, in 24 hours, we almost doubled what we had gotten in 16 days. Thank you, RaiseTheMoney.com. They're not an advertiser. I just wanted to say something nice because we needed some help, and the other two app companies that we tried weren't able to make it happen for us. So... <clears throat> The great William A. Jacobson over at Legal Insurrection. New article that he dropped a couple hours ago entitled Biden officially nominates Katanji Brown Jackson for Supreme Court. Subtitle, if, and that's a big if, all Republicans opposed her nomination to Supreme Court. That result in a 50-50 split and a constitutionally uncertain issue whether Vice President Kamala Harris could cast a tiebreaker. I, I had no idea that was constitutionally uncertain. Hmm, how about that? So, usurper Biden, that's his official title as far as I'm concerned, announced on Twitter this morning, I'm proud to announce that I'm nominating Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson to serve on the Supreme Court, currently serving on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. She's one of the nation's brightest legal minds and will be an exceptional justice. Well, no, she won't. Of course she won't, because you are you would not nominate a good justice. So the article goes back to the previous reporting Multiple media outlets are reporting that Biden will nominate D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson to fill the vacancy created by Justice Stephen Breyer's announced retirement. Breyer, you will recall, has said he only will step down if and when his successor is nominated and confirmed. Jackson's nomination is no surprise. She's been on the short list for a long time and was recently elevated to the D.C. Circuit for the obvious purpose of giving her Supreme Court credentials, as we reported almost a year ago. In the article, 
here come the Biden judges, including his likely eventual Supreme Court nominee. Quoting now from almost a year ago, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, 50, for the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. Jackson, who is black, would fill the vacancy created by Judge Merrick Garland's move to lead the Justice Department. She has served on the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia since 2013. President Barack Obama had considered Jackson for the U.S. Supreme Court in 2016. Biden has promised to nominate a black woman for the high court if he has the opportunity to do so. That's a quote from last year's article. So Jacobson says the nomination, if it happens, bucks the demand of Representative Jim Clyburn, who wanted South Carolina District Judge J. Michelle Childs. Remember, it was Clyburn who extracted Biden's pledge during the campaign to nominate only a black woman to the next Supreme Court opening. Yeah, Clyburn is the, the reason that Biden had a chance to get the nomination. He was dead in the water. Finished, what, fifth in the Iowa caucus and sixth in the New, New Hampshire primary? James Clyburn, congressman in South Carolina, endorsed him, and the rest was history. Substantial majorities opposed Biden's pledge only to consider black women. ABC Network did a poll. The ABC Television Network said only 28% of non-white Americans agreed that Biden should only consider a black woman for Supreme Court. That should tell you something, which is that no matter how much the liberals try to bring it back, racism is something of a bygone era here in the U.S., By the way, uh, Judge Jackson has an impressive record of reversals by the appeals court when she was on the district court. She was confirmed to the D.C. Circuit with only three Republican votes. Susan Collins, Lindsey Graham, and Lisa Murkowski were the only Republicans to support her nomination to the D.C. Court of Appeals. So she has an impressive Oh, I see. They they link to Fox News here. From earlier this month, Biden Supreme Court frontrunner Katanji Brown-Jackson faces scrutiny for overturned decisions. Katanji Brown-Jackson, one of the women reported to be on President Biden. No, 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 not President Usurper. Usurper. I'm tired of this, Fox News. Usurper Biden's Shortlist to replace Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer is facing heightened scrutiny over a judicial record that includes high-profile rulings later overruled by higher courts. Her record, was, her record was a focal point last year during her confirmation for a seat on the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia, where she now sits. A 51-year-old judge is highly or widely considered one of Biden's favorites. Judicial Crisis Network President Kerry Severino told Fox News Digital on Tuesday, Judge Jackson's record of reversals by the left-leaning D.C. Circuit is troubling for anyone concerned about the rule of law. For example, in Make the Road New York versus Wolf, a D.C. Circuit panel 
composed of a majority of Democrat nominees, concluded Jackson had set aside a Trump administration rule where there was no legal basis to do so. Cases like these suggest that Jackson might be willing in politically charged cases to ignore the law to deliver a particular policy outcome, and that's not what we want to see from a Supreme Court justice. During Jackson's 2021 confirmation for her current position, conservatives pointed to her track record of overturned rulings. One 2019 case involved an order that expanded the Department of Homeland Security's definition on which non-citizens could be deported. Another overturning involved a trio of orders and federal employees' collective bargaining power. Jackson's Homeland Security ruling was overturned in a two-to-one decision by the D.C. Circuit Court, which said reviewing Homeland Security policy did not fall under the Administrative Procedure Act. The judge's ruling on the three collective bargaining orders was overturned unanimously by the D.C. Circuit Court, which ruled that Judge Jackson did not have jurisdiction to adjudicate the case. While the overturning of Jackson's cases presents a potential roadblock to her confirmation, the overturning of cases can happen for a number of reasons, including some that have nothing to do with the decision themselves. Eh, Whatever. Let me go back to William Jacobson, legal insurrection. Again, he says, if, and that's a big if, all Republicans oppose her nomination to the Supreme Court, that would result in a 50-50 split and a constitutionally uncertain case, constitutionally uncertain issue, whether VP Kamala Harris could cast a tiebreaker as she can do for legislation. As we covered in the article, remember when liberal law professors said the vice president cannot cast a tiebreaker tiebreaker on Supreme Court nominations. I bet Mitch does. Are you kidding me? Dude, seriously? Lawrence Tribe, big name liberal law professor, 2020 on the Amy Coney Barrett nomination. He said, while the vice president has the power to cast a tiebreaking vote To pass a bill, the Constitution does not give him the power to break break ties when it comes to the Senate's advice and consent role in approving presidential appointments to the Supreme Court. Yeah, I wonder if that's still true under a Democrat administration. Wow. Wow. And Jacobson links to a couple of tweets from Carrie Severino over the Judicial Crisis Network, who says, with the intended nomination of Katanji Brown-Jackson, Joe Biden has made it clear that he his top priority is paying back the left-wing dark money network that spent over a billion dollars to help elect him and Senate Democrats. Recently, the Arabella Advisors Network has been increasingly vocal about the fact that Judge Jackson was their preferred nominee, the one they are sure will rubber stamp their left-wing political agendas from the bench. Today, Joe Biden is delivering exactly who they demanded. Yeah, it's weird because they kept on telling us that Biden was a moderate. That Biden, you know, wouldn't be a liberal. You know what I'm saying? So they kept on telling us. 
And you find out that Biden's a communist. He's so conflicted. He's so blackmailed by who? Russia, China, whoever. The libs. They got the goods on Hunter. He bends over backwards for the communists. All right, speaking of Judge Katanji Jackson-Brown. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Don Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Do it, Brian. Do it. Do it. Do it, Brian. All right. Doc Washington Show Tweet of the Day brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com, a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to online, have it delivered to you anywhere, anywhere in the uh, continental United States of America. Okay. Now, this Tweet of the Day is a twofer. You got the shot and you got the chaser, okay? So, from this morning, Mediaite says, Justin, White House officially announces Biden will nominate Katanji Brown-Jackson to U.S. Supreme Court. All right? That's the shot. The chaser from the great talk show host out of Houston, Jesse Kelly, he says about the judge, Biden's new nominee to the Supreme Court, he says, she raped me. No, 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 no. That's the new standard now. They made up all that stuff about Brett Kavanaugh, so you make up stuff about Biden's nominee. He says, she raped me. Wow. So, some of the responses from folks. One guy says, she molested me on my way home from a country club in 1998. Young lady here says, tell me about her yearbook. (laughs) Another one says, she kicked my duckling at the park between two trees and then ran around with her arms up yelling, it's good. Another one says, this is a guy, says, she touched me after I begged her not to. And then drank a beer and stole my hubcaps when we were in college. <laughs> we got a bunch of tweets of the day today. Thank you, Red River, you're away. Um, another one says they're really going to run her despite all the horrible accusations? Wow. No, I, I can't read that one. I'm sorry. No, that's too, that's too gross. No, I... I no, I can't. Another one says, so they're nominating a candidate based on immutable characteristics against civil rights law in the middle of the Russian assault against Ukraine with inflation at a record high and with awful poll numbers. Shocking. Oh, here's a good one. She touched me without consent 25 years ago. I can't remember the location of the incident, and I do not fly, so you will just have to take my word for it. Hey, now, hey, now, hey, now. This is great. Another one says, Someday I hope to, uh, I hope I become brave enough to tell the story of what she did to me at a work party. Oh, here's another one. 
She touched me inappropriately at a party in the 90s while she was doing it. She whispered, a woman is an adult human female. I still have nightmares about that. This is a good one. I don't know her, but I heard she drank a beer once. Hello. 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 <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Now here's another one. She raped me in college. It was at a house party. I don't have any proof, but I can cry on command and have taken acting lessons. That kind of reminds me of, uh, what was the woman with the three names? The first false accuser on Brett Kavanaugh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Here's one that says, she told me I was hot way back in 1987 and patted me on the rear. I will hire Michael Avenatti as soon as possible. Yeah, this is good. Does she like beer? She raped me. I have some anecdotal stories without corroboration to prove it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Another one says, she called me a white cracker and said my food didn't have enough seasoning after she slapped me. Hey, this is a good one. 38 years ago, she kicked my dog. Believe me. Uh, this is great. She drank a beer underage in college. Hashtag unfit. No, uh, no, 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 no. The whole deal with Kavanaugh, new rules. New rules. This is what you do. You make up stories and allegations about the uh, <coughs> Supreme Court nominee. That's what we learned with Kavanaugh, right? Okay. Thank you, RedRiverYourWay.com, for sponsoring today's Tweet of the Day. All right, I want to say a word for my friend Justin Menton. M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, Benton, Arkansas. Now, Justin is a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded a mental law firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations, and he really helped me out when I was in two automobile accidents back in 2019. He's helping me with the third one from December 17th, 2021, in which I was rear-ended sitting on Colonel Glen Road and waiting for a light to change in Little Rock. Anyway, the Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So, whether you want to go to trial or sell out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who've been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton makes sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck or on the job or you are a loved one that's suffering for the carelessness of another, if you live in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501 943 4195 or visit com today. All right, I would like to help you if I can with the best kept secret in American healthcare. All right, 
Let's go through a little hypothetical here. Do you have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo? You got problems with your blood sugar? Okay. I have some instructions for you. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Do you lean to one side or the other? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines and neck pain. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column. The atlas, C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of, uh, out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body the way God designed it to work. It can affect your circulatory system, your digestive system, your reproductive system, and yes, even your respiratory system. And it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar even. Do yourself a favor. If you live in central Arkansas, call my friends the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. Or if you live outside of central Arkansas and you're thinking, man, that sounds like something maybe could help me. Well, I bet it could. So if you live outside of central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. And click on the tab that says find a doctor near you. So I don't know if you heard about this, but um, New York Times is reporting that for months, American officials repeatedly urged China to help avert war in the Ukraine. They kept on giving them this um, um, intel they had that Putin was going to invade Ukraine. And China kept on rebuffing the Biden administration and actually shared the intel with Putin. Now, U.S. Senator Tom Cotton had a response to that. He said, more pathetic weakness from the Biden White House. When will they recognize that the Chinese Communist Party is not our ally? Good question, Tom. I don't know. Maybe about the time you recognize that they stole the election from Trump. Oh! I don't really sound like a diplomatic kind of guy, do I? I don't really sound like a guy running for governor of Arkansas, do I? But I am. But I am. But I'm just, I just have such a hard time. I just have such a hard time going along to get along. You know what I'm saying? And so when I saw Tom Cotton said that, I'm like, okay. Let's address that, Tom. Let's address that. Uh, somebody on the uh, Podbean app says, can we come show support at the Capitol when you file? Um, yeah, um, that would be wonderful. 
I really appreciate that. Apparently, I have to go. Well, I got to go to the bank first because our bank account is so new. I got to get some counter checks. And then I got to go downtown to the Republican Party of Arkansas um, headquarters to give them the check. And then I go over to the Capitol with a receipt and some paperwork and file over there. So my buddy Stephen Finnegan is supposed to be at the house at about one fifteen, And then we go to the bank. Then we go downtown to the Republican Party headquarters. So uh, you might want to show up at the Capitol around 2. We might be there by then. I don't know exactly when we're going to get there. But, yeah, if you want to come to the Capitol and show your support when I file, that would be great. I really appreciate that. really do. I was going to do a Facebook Live, but Facebook suspended me for seven days last night for saying that if I get my message out to enough people before the primary, I will beat Sarah Huckabee Sanders in the primary. They said, oh, you're, you're encouraging violence. Because you used the word beat. And, no, we're not going to hear your challenge because, see, we're short-staffed because of COVID. Yeah, they'll probably be saying that till the end of time, won't they? I think they probably will. I think they probably will. So I can't post anything on Facebook until then. Until then. Again, a big shout-out and a big thank you to RaiseTheMoney.com. They were the third app company that we had to go to to try to get a donate button working on our website, electdocwashburn.com. And the other app companies have taken days and, and uh, accomplished nothing. Um, but RaiseTheMoney.com got it done for us in just a couple hours yesterday morning, and we almost doubled the amount of money we had on hand for the campaign fund for the filing phase. So we we really, really appreciate that. All right, now, that having been said, you've been listening to the 96th episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Mans- Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. That's the way it is. Friday, February 25th, 2022.